You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Michael Nellis and Corey Mess here in studio. Pleased uh, to be hap- here. Yeah, happy to have you guys on again as uh, we have a jam-packed show uh, in our first segment. Well, in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jays, a little bit about the MLB. Then Ottawa Champions President David Goulet will join us in our second segment. In our third seventh segment, Ottawa Champions new signee Steve Sokowski will join us. And then in our fourth segment, Derek Piles will come on the show uh, to talk about coming to the Ottawa Champions, what he brings to the team after the Champions acquired him last week. And then in our fifth segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Champions, about the Japanese series, about the Cuban series, and everything that's going to happen uh, to this point this season. And of course, uh, Michael, the extra innings bonanza, if you want to call it that, as the Champions are uh, just, I believe it's three or four games from setting a record in extra innings. Four games away from a extra innings record in the Can-Am League for the Ottawa Champions. They have played in 10 games, and uh, the record is held by the Worcester Tornadoes, who uh, set it in 2005 with 14 extra inning games. The Champions have played 10 extra inning games in 38 games this season, which is an incredible stat. It's more than 25% of their games, or a quarter of their games, if you want to put it that way. And they have a chance to play more than 25 if they keep up at this pace. Now, I don't think they're going to keep this pace, but nonetheless... It looks like they're going to break the record. And I think you're right, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But- and before we go to that, um, the other thing that I wanted to mention about that record is 14 extra inning games. That was set in 2005, wow. 11, 11 years ago. So this has been a long-standing record from the first season in Ken Am League history. And you're right. And, of course, we'll we'll go into that later in our, in our fifth segment. But uh, this segment, we're talking uh, Major League Baseball. Of course, we're halfway through the year. Uh, All-Star game is coming up. And we're going to start off with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I, I saw a, you know, a little bit of a report saying that you know Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins might possibly want to use uh, Drew Hutchinson out of the bullpen as he has just been named a AAA All-Star. He has a 2.78 ERA, 96 strikeouts with the Buffalo Blisons this year. Um, we could possibly see him uh, be called up uh, a little bit earlier than we would think. Well, to be honest, I was a little surprised he wasn't put in the bullpen. It was one of this team's long relievers at the beginning of the year, Dante. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a good decision. I, I think you should probably let him play in the All-Star game. I think um, that a lot of teams will do that, pull a guy up right before the All-Star game, and, and they kind of, I guess their reward for the whole part of the season is that you're getting called up. But, but he's already been here. Exactly. So uh, maybe maybe you let him stay there for the All-Star game, get a little bit of shine, um, uh, and, then, and then you call him up for the second half of the season and let him be, a long reliever and I do see him in that role as a long reliever um, uh, unless you do something crazy and start doing something like the Cubs and doing six starters yeah, but I, I think I think a, a long reliever uh, role for him would, would suit him pretty nicely and I think you're right and of course uh, Hutchinson a long reliever role but with the the injury to Gavin Flo we could possibly uh, maybe see him you know come into a little bit later in the game seventh sixth inning depending on you know how late the starters go but the one thing and of course Mike I know what you have to say about this but you know they have the innings limit on Aaron Sanchez you can maybe see Hutchison in the starting rotation but you had mentioned to me off mic that you think that someone else should get sent down well it was uh yeah and 
do I think Marcus Stroman should get sent down? I'm not adamant that he should be sent down. I think that giving Drew Hutchison some innings in the major leagues is a very good idea before the playoffs because he will be uh, in on the pitching uh, on the pitching staff, I should say, um, in playoff time. And uh, Aaron Sanchez is going to move to the bullpen, you would think. And 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 you know, what w- when that happens, um, are you going to have Marcus Stroman? In your rotation, are you going to have Marcus Stroman there? I think right now, uh, with the struggling star, he probably should go for a stint in the minors. Yeah, and that's that's my opinion on this whole thing. As a result, I think that's where you where you bring Drew Hutchison, and you don't bring him in as a reliever. You bring him in as a starter. You get him some innings. You get him some reps in the majors. Try to rekindle what he was able to do at some points last year. Um, obviously, a bit of a, a bit of a volatile year in 2015 for Hutchison, but he did have a lot of bright spots. And uh, you give Marcus Stroman a chance to uh, t- to hone his game a little bit, and and really, for prospects, rushing them along has never been a good thing in any sport. I don't think it's any different in this situation, and I think we should see Drew Hutchison, or pardon me, Marcus Stroman worked on uh, in the minor leagues uh, by uh, by a couple different sets of coaches because. Uh, in the end, while Toronto does have a very good uh, coaching staff, extra sets of eyes is always good. And when you're in an affiliated major league organization as a minor league coach, as a major league coach, what have you, you know what you're talking about. You know what you're getting at as a coach. And having that second set of eyes, that third set of eyes looking at pitchers to try and see something in their game to fix is a very healthy thing. And I think that's what Drew, uh, or pardon me, Marcus Stroman really needs right now. Well, but do you really think that that you would want to move Sanchez to the bullpen again? Because uh, well, it's gonna been, go f- they've gotta, done the same thing the last three years. I feel like you're mess- you're messing up with his with his mentality. You you could, but in in the playoffs, are you going to go with a five man rotation? And uh, you know who who's gonna who's gonna drop out of that? You know that 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 I think there is there is an option to move one of the starters to the bullpen, um, and Sanchez is going to do that, but. I, I I don't necessarily think that that's a, 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 a situation where Sanchez is uncomfortable because while I think last year when he was when he was kind of moving in between it was it, it was definitely you know known that he would be a starter this year and he built himself up to be a starter you can see just because of his his increase in body mass but um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing having him there uh, in the bullpen. Yeah, Dante, and and I think as well, just to to what Mike said on Strowman, I I don't think Strowman, I don't think he it's like a Ricky Romero type situation. No, no, like no, no, no. he got off to a very good start this season, and and I think he like in baseball, it's just a bit of a rut. Um, uh, although I think sending down, um, I I don't know, I I think it would sending him down would be a step back. Okay. Um, uh, because I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want him to lose any confidence getting sent down. Uh, he's a guy who rides very high on confidence and, yeah. um, maybe he doesn't have that now, but I, I feel like just sending him down, getting him away from this major league team might affect him that way. And maybe playing good with the Bisons, he would be able to build that confidence back up. But I, I do think it would negatively affect him sending down. You never know. They sent down Roy Halladay. It worked, and he was known as one of the most respectful, uh, serious guys in the major leagues. So you never know. That was the point that I was going to make. And in 2000, Roy Halladay, I've got his um, his stats up here, and, and Roy Halladay had a really bad season with Toronto in 2000 with an ERA of over 10 
in uh, 19 appearances. So, um, you know, that's just not good enough. And in 2000, no, I'm not saying Marcus Stroman uh, has blown up to that proportion as Roy Halladay did, but Halladay started 2001 in high A and he worked his way back up. Am I suggesting that Marcus Stroman goes to high A? No, I'm not. But it's an example of a pitcher that arguably is one of the best players in Blue Jays franchise history. The best. And potentially even the best player in franchise history. And he's a guy that put in a lot of reps. I would say that uh, the Blue Jays, it's very unfortunate that they weren't able to qualify for the playoffs because they really wasted a tremendous talent in Roy Halladay. But one of the reasons why he was able to be so good and why he consistently put up under 10 losses in years with over 30 appearances is because of that stint in the minors. And they worked with Roy Halladay for many, many years. The last minor league game that he played was in 2001, and he first became a professional in 1995. So that's a prospect being worked on for a very long period of time. Five years, right? And I don't necessarily think a trip to the minor leagues should be taken by a guy like uh, Marcus Stroman as a blip on the radar to his confidence, as something that he uh, he should look at as a, an indictment against his ability as a, as, as a starting pitcher and as a pitcher in his own right. And I think as a major league player, when you have that kind of um, that, that kind of mentality, you're just not going to be successful. So knowing Marcus Stroman, knowing the gamer that he is, I don't think that a trip to the minors would kill his confidence and that he would take it as a step back. I just think that he's the kind of guy and he has the kind of attitude to take that as a note that he's got to improve and that he's going to take that as a challenge to improve and do that. Uh, he's a gamer. He's a guy that's been able to do that for so long. No, no, I'm not clapping for that because to do it mid season, it's very different from the Roy Halladay situation. Roy Halladay started the season in high A. To do this mid season when he pitched opening day, I think is a very different situation, and I think it would adversely affect to his confidence. He's a very emotional guy. You see it on the mound. Roy Holiday wasn't really that. He was a lot more calm, cool, collected. And and I do think they're two different types of players. Well, I I, I th- I mean, very, two different types of players. I mean, the height differential is something that you want to mention no, no, there. Different from that, just just in their general demeanors, they're different guys. And and I think you're right uh, about you know being different in persona. Um, but I think the notion that he would take that that he would take it badly, just I, th- I think it's just wrong. Like he, he's he's a professional athlete. When you when you get sent down to the minors, I understand when you start on opening day. And, you know, that confidence, you know, disappears, right? Uh, the, the confidence that an organization has in you just disappears. That's not something that you should be taking lightly as a pitcher. But as Marcus Stroman has shown in the past, when faced with adversity, he doesn't take these things lightly and he knows how to face them. And I don't think he would take that emotion that you would usually see in a 20-something-year-old guy and that it would be used badly. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's something we would see from Marcus Stroman because of what we've seen when he's faced with adversity in the past. He's proven to push that aside and power through it. He's been told that he can't do it for his entire career. Right. He's five foot yeah. eight, five foot nine as a starting pitcher, and he's facing that almost every day. So I don't think that this um, slight against him would work that way. Uh, uh, well, he's not going to get sent down, so it doesn't matter, Mike. Eat that. <laughs> Healthy debate, eh? Uh, well, I'll tell you this. I know that, you know, 
Um, I believe it was the other day we were talking with Craig, uh, communications and marketing director of the Ottawa Champions, our boss, right? Um, we, were, we were talking with Craig, and he said, you know, the only other guy that would ever that was ever succeeded at that height was Tom Gordon, of course, the father of D and Nick Gordon. And he moved to the bullpen. Something I want to mention, I remember watching Marcus Ooh. Stroman's first debut in the bullpen. He absolutely wet the bed, 100%. He did not pitch very well at all. I believe he allowed five earned runs in two and got two outs, and he did not pitch well. They send him back down. He comes back up. I remember his start against Kansas City. He comes back. Beautiful. Also, the Jays scored 10 runs in the first inning against Kansas City. That guy never got called up again. But he pitched excellent for the Blue Jays and found out that he is a starter. I don't think that he should go to the bullpen at all, and I don't really think he should go to the starting row uh, to the uh, to the minor leagues as well because, yeah, you could say, oh, we have Estrada. He's our real ace and Haps well and, and everything else. But I do think that sending Stroman down will ruin the chemistry in the clubhouse as well. And I, I'm not saying anything bad about Drew Hutchison, but uh, I guess... Uh, I mean, that's where I stand you, on that. You're a professional baseball player. Nothing should... Are you going to pout and whine about clubhouse chemistry? Or are you going to try to win baseball games? Well, that's the way I see it. Blue Jays won't win without clubhouse chemistry. That's what you need Well, I'm sorry, but that's not going to cut it. That's not a, an excuse in Major League Baseball. You win baseball games, you go out there, and you put your best players on the line every day. And that's the case that we have to see. Now, clubhouse chemistry is a certain thing that is needed and is one of the reasons why the Blue Jays were able to be successful last year. But is that something that is absolutely relied upon? No, you're a professional athlete. You should be able oh to battle through this regardless. Mike, it's it's not an excuse at all, and it, it's not really something that's tangible, but it's a reality. It, it, it's like you you can't deny that that is a real thing. It's a it's a it. it anyways, it, it's teams better teams like. You can't tell me that that certain teams are the best. You, you look at I don't know Red Sox even just a couple of years ago. That wasn't the best team in Major League Baseball, but there was something about them. There was a chemistry yeah. with that team. The beard. But but just more than that, Dante. There was just a chemistry with that team where they weren't the best team in baseball, but they won baseball games. And and I think especially I don't know when it comes to the playoffs. That's why wild card teams, you've seen them have so much success the the last few years. I just when you see a team that is unable to produce in a regular season whether it's the MLB, whether it's the NHL, the NFL, are they going to come into those exit interviews and say, "You know, we just didn't like each other that much. That's why we <laughs> didn't play very well." And that's the reason why and you should give us another chance or give us players to gel and 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 you know, that's the bottom line, right? I understand the whole idea of chemistry in baseball and the whole idea of chemistry in sports, but using it like I, I don't know. It, it just putting it putting it into words is tough. But I I, I I don't I don't necessarily I I don't like chalking it up to something that's you know so unanalytical a lot of the time. And uh, I'm gonna say this right now, just wrapping up this segment. Uh, that's probably been our best talk on Around the Diamond. That was a, a very heated debate, and I think I like Thank it. Thank you, Corey. Well, that was great. And uh, uh, with I need a cigarette. <laughs> with that being said, we're going to wrap up this segment. Coming up next, David Gourley from the Ottawa Champions will join us to talk about the success that they've had with international teams. That's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9.
This is Matt Helms from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Back Corporation since 1997. Joining us for this segment is Ottawa Champions President David Goulet. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. How it's going? Uh, it's going well. Pretty and, good. And uh, I guess, David, to start things off, um, you guys have had a lot, a lot of success with the International Series. Uh, you know, Cuba came to town. You, you guys had, I believe, 15,000 people over over that series, and now the Japanese uh, All-Stars have came to town. I mean, it's been a really nice experience here at the park and bringing in so many, uh, so many different cultures to the ballpark as well. It's been an amazing for us. I, I'm so proud that Miles has brought this opportunity to, you know, not only the ballpark but the fans. Uh, the city has responded very well. There's the different communities coming out, the Japanese community this week, the Cuban community before. You know, we actually had sold over 16,000 tickets for the three games with Cuba, mm-hmm. and we're on track uh, with uh, Japan for hopefully 8,000 over three games. So this is just a remarkable opportunity to grow the game in Ottawa. And David, uh, I wanted to ask you, you talked about, uh, you know, growing the game. It's it's brought a lot of attention uh, to baseball in Ottawa with some pretty big midweek crowds uh, at Raymond mm-hmm. Shabbat Grant Thornton Park. Uh People love to see the Japanese players. Right now, we're seeing Cuban players inside uh, or on Can-Am League rosters, I should say. And and last mm-hmm. week when we talked to Miles Wolf, he was he, he kind of threw out the uh, the um, the idea that he would love to see Japanese players in the Can Am League. Is that something yeah. you think that could happen in the future? I really hope so. Miles and I just spent some time this morning strategizing for the next three years. And, and not only are we hoping to have more national teams come to to Canada, to Can-Am, but also players. Uh, I think we're onto something really important here. The New York Times actually wrote a great article today about the Cuban series in Canada, uh, and the U.S., of course, as well, uh, Can-Am and the uh, others. So I think we're onto something here, and I think that fans really appreciate the diversity, uh, whether it be on our club or uh, teams that we're playing. Uh, I think this is a really important chemistry that we're hoping to instill uh, as a regular process over the years. Now, Dave, this, uh, another thing we asked Miles about last week, and it, it kind of has to do with growing the game here in Ottawa, is the uh, the media coverage for the Ottawa champions. And on the Gatineau side, Ladois does a, a fantastic job. We get Sil Saint or Marc Broussard, two uh, high-caliber uh, French journalists at the stadium every single night, uh, uh, down talking with the managers, um, uh, covering the team. We don't get the same thing from English newspapers in Ottawa. Um, uh, and uh, do you think that's maybe... That that has to change for maybe the view of the Ottawa champions to, to change in this city and, and to help grow this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to mince words here. You know, I, I was so disappointed by some of the coverage uh, on, on by the Sun and the Citizen, but particularly when we beat the Cubans on the Sunday. I opened up the Sun on the, on the Monday, I believe it was. There was a great story, a human interest story on page two of the Sun, and that was great to see. It profiled our, our friends in the Miracle League and, and and you know, the whole Father's Day idea. But then there was a very small piece on our victory and the actual game itself buried, I think, on the second last page of the stun. That, that doesn't work for us. We, we want to see more coverage. We want to see better coverage. And we believe that we're in a position to provide that. We're, we're 
playing exciting baseball. <laughs> we talked earlier about the extra innings. You know, that that's exciting. We got we got Austin Christman who went nine innings deep into a game last night. We've got Danny Grower hitting the walk off home runs. We've got our local hero Seb Boucher who's winning games for us. These are great stories to tell. And you know, we tell them on social media, we tell them on our website, but I think it's really time for uh the journalists to start covering our games. Uh, that they like they do with other sports organizations in this community, particularly as we talk about with the international flavor that we have. And that was one of the things, too, with the extra inning games. Uh, just to throw a stat at you, Dave, the uh, champions have now played uh, in uh, 10 extra inning games this year. That is uh, on pace to break the record in the Can-Am League set by Worcester in 2005, which was the very first year that the Can-Am League was in existence. They have 14 extra inning games. Ottawa's got 10. So, yeah, you mentioned exciting, you know, long games with a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of offense, and the champions certainly are bringing that. And one of the other things uh, that the champions got some attention for this, uh, th- this season was uh, bringing some Ottawa Senators out to the ballpark for uh, mm-hmm. batting practice with some champions players and you talk about English media not coming out well NHL.com was inside the ballpark Uh, the Citizen and the Sun they both were here is it events like that more things like that that include other sports teams in the city that you think uh, it's going to take to bring these media members to the ballpark um, in a consistent basis well I I think that's one of the strategies uh, you know and and it was fantastic both Carlson and Turis with us. I mean, the Senators, you know, we, we, I've been working on that relationship for the better part of four years, continue to, as well as with OSEG. And I think that there's a lot more cross-collaboration that we can inspire, uh, initiated by the champions. For example, you know, we've got a great parking lot. OSEG uh, doesn't have as much parking as we do, so perhaps there's partnership opportunities there. We want to work with our, our fellow sports teams. The mm-hmm. Tourist Carlson batting practice was, was a great example. I particularly loved, of course, the fact that neither of them hit it out of the park. <laughs> it, does demonstrate, it does demonstrate that baseball is not as easy a sport as they may have thought. Yes. Well, you're right about that because they did think that they were going to hit a, a couple home runs. But I want to go back to the Cuba series, David, and look at the culture that was at the ballpark. You guys really embraced the Cuban community as we saw on the, on the I believe it was the first base side behind the Cuban dugout. We saw tons of Cubans dancing and embracing their culture, which was, I thought, a key uh, t- to making that weekend a big success. That's right. And not only that, but we had, you know, the Cuban ambassador and all three games. Mm-hmm. And on the Sunday, he invited uh, several of his counterparts from uh, Latin countries and other ambassadors. Uh, I had the chance to talk to the Venezuelan ambassador, the Panamanian ambassador. And they were, they were really impressed with what we do and the product that we have on the field as a team, uh, whether it be concessions, whether it be, you know, our manager, our coaching staff, our players, our front office. They were all very impressed. And, and that, those relationships really help us grow as a brand and as a team in future years. And, and I think that's given you a little bit of insight and window into some of the international teams that we hope to attract in future years for our fans and for our club. And to have the community, Cuban community so embrace uh, those games was just inspiring for me to really show that baseball has such a fantastic 
for each in our city. One of the uh, the things for the champions last year, while the first year was a big success, there was a small disappointment in the last year or in the last series of the year when uh, the champions failed to qualify for the playoffs. Um, there was a lot of hype around the uh, that last series, and they did lose to Trois Rivieres, who eventually won the Can Am League championship. So uh, some formidable opponents in that last series for Ottawa. But this time around, so far, of course, you got to knock on wood. It is a different story with the champions firmly in fourth place in the league that's a playoff spot they're only a game back of Rockland for third what would a playoff appearance for the champions do for this city oh I I think you know a great question and that's exactly what Miles and I were strategizing about this morning we were talking about how to continue to position this team on the field for playoff spot what kind of tools do we need to give the the um, Hal and and the coaching staff to ensure that we secure a playoff spot I think the, the community in the city, our fans, would really embrace uh, a playoff series, if not two series. Uh, and, and we'd like our chances. Uh, I think in year two, hitting a playoff spot, bringing that excitement to early September in, in this city would, would be a real win for us uh, and, and, a, and a surprise win. I mean, had we made the playoffs last year, that's something that no one ever anticipated yeah. in our first year. Yeah. We were just happy to have the doors open, you know, the lights on and everything else. So in year two, it would be such a fantastic win for us to to have uh, our, our team in the playoffs. And I'll tell you guys, we're very excited for our playoffs, and I think it's going to happen. Well, you also have a good product on the field, David. But the, uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, I've seen you, you know, go out on this on Twitter saying that the, uh, I believe it's the Chicago Island All-Stars uh, uh, social media and, and promoting it has been very good. Uh, maybe can you talk about that? Yeah, I'm so impressed with them. I, I don't remember this last year. Uh, I don't remember them having such a huge social media presence. Uh, they are on site, obviously. They're tweeting out pictures. I, I love the picture of the uh, seagull. They tweeted yes last night. Um, I think I put up on my Facebook. I'd love to know what the translation of their comment was. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's very impressive to see us playing them good quality baseball. Their hearts are into it. The Japanese ambassador hosted uh, our front office and, and Miles and I at, uh, at his residence a couple of nights ago to okay. embrace the relationship. Uh, and, and they're all over it. And they're promoting who we are as a, as a team, as a city. Uh, and it's really inspiring to see. And, and, and that's consistent across the board. Uh, you know, a lot of Can-Am teams have very good social media channels. We're learning and picking up a lot of, of tricks from them and tips. Um, but that's the kind of thing that you want to see as a true community partnership. And that's David Gourley joining us here on Around the Diamond. And of, of course, uh, I have to, I have to ask you. I guess Mike had touched on it a little bit about the the extra innings and whatnot. But I guess, uh, do you maybe think you know having all those extra inning games and giving away free baseball, if you want to uh, talk about it like that, uh, <laughs> is going to you know yeah. make fans more excited that you know they could expect a walk off every night or Danny Grower hitting the ball uh, all the way onto Coventry Road. Well, you know, we, we can't predict that, right? And we have no control. We, we don't want to start a game, as your fans and your audience knows, guys. We, we, we don't know. Uh, when we start a game, we have no idea where it's going to end up. We have certain rules to end games as early as possible because we lose a lot of crowd. We lose a lot of, you know, merchandise and concession revenue opportunities later in games. But through social media, people are hearing about exciting ends to baseball games, whether we win or lose. And if we lose a game like we did last night, well, we're back on the field, we're back on the diamond tonight. So we, we give it another shot. I think extra, uh, extra innings baseball 
is exciting for fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much better than being, you know, blown out of the water either way, whether we blow an opponent out of the water or vice versa. Extra innings increases interest in the game, and that's what, exactly what we're about. And, of course, before we go, David, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about Canada Day. You guys have a doubleheader. Yes. So is there anything that we can maybe expect uh, going into Canada Day that uh, that will you know interest you know some of the fans and some of the things going on? Sure. We're very happy to welcome Minister Catherine McKenna to uh, our CGT Park. She was a huge fan of ours last year. She gained about half a dozen games. So she'll be joining us for the ceremonial first pitch at 1.35 tomorrow. And, you know, tomorrow is all about Canada. It's about our 149th birthday. Uh, we are a proud uh, participant next year uh, during the Canada Day month for the our All-Star Game. Okay. So this is really about laying the, the foundation and the groundwork for that. And uh, we're welcoming our fans and having a great day at the ballpark. We hope no rain. Well, I guess we do hope no rain because uh, that would, wouldn't be the best. But um, as we saw the other night, we had uh, the umbrellas going and whatnot. But once again, David, we appreciate you coming on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks a lot. Anytime, guys. Always happy to talk to you. That was David Gurley of the Ottawa Champions. We thank him so much for coming on the show. Coming up next, we will be joined with Ottawa Champions' new signee, Steve Salkowski, he'll come on next to talk about joining the champions as he is their new backup catcher that's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Jared Lemieux from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, sponsored by Sambat, the original Maple Bat Corporation since 1997. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Corey Mess and Michael Nellis, for a special Champions feature interview with catcher Steve Selkowski. Steve is an indie baseball veteran, having played with multiple independent leagues since 2014. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi, Dante. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And now, Steve, uh, you know, you've only been with the Ottawa Champions for a very short time now, but the one thing that manager Hal Lanier always says is that the clubhouse is very tight. So, Steve, it must be nice to come into a new environment with a very welcoming and fun clubhouse. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've only been here a couple of days, but I uh, could definitely tell it's a great group of guys, great clubhouse, and I'm uh, really excited to be here. And uh, Steve, something I'm interested in, you played with CU Falls last year, played a couple different positions with them. Uh, you come into the Ottawa Champions, they're, they're listing you as a catcher right now, but could we maybe see you a bit at, uh, a bit at third, maybe at first uh, this season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've uh, worked to be able to play the corners too, so, uh, you know, Whatever, whatever uh, could help the team, I'm, I'm, I'm good to play. So yeah, I could play a little bit of first, a little bit of third. And what's your, uh, what's your experience? Pardon me. What's your experience been like uh, in the Indies so far? You've, uh, you've played a lot of baseball uh, in the non-affiliated ranks. Uh, what have you taken since, um, or what have you taken from playing indie, indie ball uh, since becoming a professional player? Um, I've enjoyed it for sure. Um, I've definitely learned a lot, you know, being able to play in the Atlantic League my first year, learning from a lot of veteran guys. Um, I feel like I've grown as a player and, you know, definitely a great experience in this, looking to take it to the next level. And now, Steve, you're only 25 years old, but, you, you know, as a veteran catcher, how are you finding the, the pitching staff with the Ottawa Champions only being here for a short amount of time and learning their tendencies and, and pitches and whatnot? How has that been? It's been good. Um, definitely a very good staff. 
you know, uh, good starting staff, good bullpen. You know, got a lot of guys that throw strikes and are going to keep a team in the game. So, uh, yeah, definitely a great staff to work with here. Um, and talk a bit about your, your experience in the Empire League this year. Uh, from, from what we can find, just the, the one game played, uh, <laughs> you, you hit a 1,000 in the game, uh, played pretty well. Um, uh, did that kind of lead to your getting signed by the, uh, by the champions this year? Yeah, it was um, a good opportunity for me. Um, I didn't really have a spot to go at the start of the year and um, had, a, had an opportunity to play some games down there and, uh, you know, ultimately led to me coming here. So it's definitely a good uh, good opportunity to, to come and play. And what was it like in, uh, in, in Watertown for that one game, uh, Steve? Because, you know, we talked to, uh, to Miles Moeller, who played in that same league last year, uh, before coming here to the uh, the Can Am League and the Champions, you were there for one game, so I know it's hard to uh, uh, to get that uh, that that real sense. But uh, what what was your experience uh, in the Empire League like? And for that matter, um, the other uh, the other lower level indie leagues as well, because you spent some time in the United League. Yeah, I mean the the leagues are definitely it's it's good competition. You know, yeah. a lot of good players. You know, looking to make their way up, and uh, you know the. The people that run run those leagues, you know, they work their hardest to put a good product out on the field. So, you know, uh, really, really enjoyed my time there. You know, obviously they're not as big as the leagues like the Can-Am League, Atlantic yeah. League, but, you know, they work hard to put a good product out on the field and provide an opportunity for, for us players. Yeah, and that's Steve Selkowski, catcher for the Ottawa Champions, joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, of course, uh, Steve, we look up and down. You've played with multiple ind- independent leagues. But the main question that I want to ask you about is what's been the, the difference uh, in all those leagues you've played in the American Association, the Frontier League, and now the Can-Am League? Those are what I would say the three big uh, independent leagues. What's been the main difference uh, from all the leagues that you played in? Um, I mean, they're all very similar. You know, great competition in all of them. Great fan turnout in all of them. Uh, the Atlantic League was a little bit more veteran-based. A lot of um, ex-major league players. Uh, Frontier League was some more younger guys, but guys that could definitely play. And you know, the American Association and Can-Am kind of both seem to be kind of a mix of both. You got experienced guys, younger guys, but all those leagues, you know, great baseball and you know, great fan bases all around. And talk to us a bit about how how you came to Ottawa. I mean, the uh, uh, was it was a, c- a connection maybe with uh, with one of the coaching staff? Um, did uh, did someone see you play? Uh, um, how uh, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I, I know my um, manager in uh, Watertown, Simon Walters, has some connections. So I'm sure he had had a part to do with it. And uh, you know, I, all I could do is just go out and play baseball, and you know, whatever happens, happens. But uh, yeah, I feel like he had he had a good a uh, good bit of influence on bringing me into Ottawa. Sure. Yeah, and now Steve, the, now that I go up and down and, and you know look at your stats and how many games played, it seems like you know most of your career you've yeah, you've turned into a veteran and backup catcher that you know plays uh, every you know second or third day. Have you kind of embraced that role, knowing that you're you're just there to to you know call a good game and then come in to to pinch hit and, and give some good at bats? Yeah, I mean I'm definitely uh, able to. You know, fulfill whatever role the team needs. You know, I've I've been in, I've played every day, and then I've also been in a backup role. Um, I know I could do both. So whatever is going to help the team ultimately, I'm all right with. And, and of course, uh, you know, in in the years that you played since 2014, you've managed to to put up a, a really good average. In 2015, you hit 295 with 
in the uh, American Association. You also hit 304 uh, in the Atlantic League. I mean, you, you come into this league knowing that you're a good hitter. You've also stole quite a bit of bases, so you do have a little bit of speed under your belt as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, offensively, I just look to have good at-bats, you know, give myself the best opportunity I can, and, you know, um, on the bases, just looking to be aggressive, picking the right spots in terms of stealing bags. Steve, i got to ask you, because uh, when we have guests on this show, a lot of the time we ask this question to uh, to a lot of different uh, players. Um, did you have any uh, role models as Major League players um growing up uh anyone that you uh that in the in the big leagues that you uh try to model your game after yeah well um, i was the atlanta braves fan growing up so uh chipper jones has always been my favorite player uh growing up so uh i, I always uh kind of like to model my game after him he's a third baseman but uh some of my favorite catchers watching her you know in the modern game like guys like yadier molina great defensive guy buster posey Kind of just a great all-around guy, but growing up, Tripper Jones was my favorite player. And Steve, uh, Corey had touched on it earlier that uh, you could play uh, some other positions. You played a little first base. You played a little bit of third base. Uh, do you find it different that you can play all those different positions? Uh, you know, being a catcher, or do you just try to focus on the pitching staff and you have to play third, then you go out there and play third? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely catching is my focus. That's where I put my time and effort in mostly, but like, Every day during during batting practice, I make sure that I get my reps at first base, third basis, so I stay sharp in those positions so that if I need to play in one of those spots, I'm ready to go and, and I'm prepared. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, we might see you play a little bit of third base and a little bit of first. You never know. You guys have uh, been in a lot of extra inning games uh, uh, this season. I know that you, you've only been here for a short time, but you've already been here, I believe, three extra innings games. How's that been like with Ottawa? Yeah, it's it's been interesting, and uh, especially with the with the rule with the uh, runner on second after the tenth inning. But yeah, it's been it's been a, a crazy ride with the amount of extra inning games that teams played this year. Yeah, and Steve, uh, that's going to wrap things up. We thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, we look forward to to seeing you this season. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this is Tyler Wilson from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. All right, joined here with Derek Piles for a, a live edition of Around the Diamond here at the RCGT Park. And uh, Derek, just to start, start things off, uh, you, you spent uh, you know a good 20 games with the Quebec Capitals. I believe you're hitting over 370 there. Um, what really clicked for you with the Capitals? Well... Um, I had already gone to uh, two different spring trainings, one in the Atlantic League and then one with the uh, Joplin Blasters, and that was kind of a funny story. But um, So I think I was already kind of ready to, to go by the time I got there. But honestly, um, it was just, you know, I knew, I knew coming in this season, I just felt like this, this is going to be a good year, and, you know, and, and I just felt like God, God was blessing the start of it so far. So. Yeah, and I guess, uh, I mean, what was it like now that you come to Ottawa? We'll, we'll stick with a little bit with the Capitals. I mean, what was it like to play in a, in a city where you don't speak the same language as uh, as that? I mean, I don't know if that was the first time playing in Quebec, but it seemed, you know, a little bit different. Yeah, it was definitely different. Um, it Honestly, it was a little bit frustrating, um, okay. and, I, and I actually 
I think I have a greater uh, compassion and understanding for foreign players um, because <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to go around and you know, and, and, and you'd have to find a translator and. Um, and yeah, it gave me a way greater understanding for for the guys who come over who are foreign. And and I don't know if you're much of a hockey fan, Derek, but uh, you know Trevor Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's uh, son was on that team. And I ask, you know, all the, all of your former teammates, you know, John Fitzsimmons who came on last week, the guy uh, Jordan Leonardson who came up on two weeks ago. What's it like playing with Trevor Gretzky? Uh, tr- Trevor was injured when, when I was there. Okay. <clears throat> um, you know, he, he he was a pretty no- normal guy. Um, you know he, he he he's definitely a cool kid. Um, you know it. It's just kind of interesting, you know, because in baseball there there's a lot of different things that kind of pop up, you yeah. know. And you, you have managers like our manager here was was a, was a MLB manager and yeah. um, and famous himself, you know. So I guess in baseball that 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 the stuff kind of pops up a lot. Um, it was kind of interesting. I my my uh, my my old best friend from high school. He was actually. Uh, so, supposed to come into town, and I wanted to have Trevor call up his dad and put him on the phone because he's a huge hockey really? fan. And so I was a little a little disappointed about that one, but um, you know, it it, it was it, it's just kind of it's kind of normal in, in the baseball lifestyle, I guess. And of course, Derek, you, you've you've I believe it's you've played over ten years in uh, independent balls. You're an independent uh, league veteran as you've played. You know, I believe it's you know over five different. Seven, seven, seven years, seven, seven years uh, in independent ball. So you know, as a veteran, uh, you come into Ottawa. I mean, what's your mentality as a veteran? What are you trying to do here? Well, I think I think the thing is that you know um, I've always felt like you know blessings came a little easier when when you play for the team, when you try to help the team win. Um, I think with the younger players now, you know, it's getting to a point where. They, they understand that you know you, you have experience and you're a little more respected um, so I try to help the younger players that past you know past when I was younger guys I might have known what I was talking about but um, guys don't necessarily have that same respect level for you um, and, and, and it's tougher for them to listen to you so 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 coming in I try to I try to just help um, people and it seems like things go better for you when, when you try to help others too you know so that's that's just kind of what I do. I, I, I try to come in here and um, and you know obviously I'd love to have a really big season and, and, and get picked up with affiliated team and but uh, win, win a championship, try, try and get picked up with affiliated team and yeah. then and then and then and, and really just and just really help the people around me. And, and now that you do mention being picked up by an affiliated team, back in I believe it was uh, 2005 or 2006, you were still playing high school ball. Is that correct? college you're in college so I mean what was it like to to come to an independent league you know how did that kind of play out from you know in high school did you get any calls did you you know go to any spring trainings at that point yeah well I, I definitely had scouts that uh, talked to me I thought I was going to get drafted you know my my senior college was was the biggest season of my life and um I you know I did everything that I felt like I I, I could have um but it just wasn't in in the cards for me to uh, play, you know, get, get assigned affiliated, and it, it was incredibly heartbreaking, really. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know, I was a first team All American, and um, and our team, you know, w- w- was ranked number one in the country. And and so, make a long story short, um, it was it was really really heartbreaking. Uh, I can't really explain it, you know, like like the vision that that was always inside my heart since I was a little kid was yeah. uh, seemed like it was taken away, and. 
and then two months later I got a random call from the San Diego Surf Dogs um, and, and it was really a huge opportunity but at the time I literally I thought it was it wasn't really an opportunity I thought it, I was in a deep dark hole playing playing independent ball and and um, and I, I really I didn't understand what what independent ball is all about I yeah. didn't understand how, how, how good the players really are I didn't understand that like you know the Can-Am is like a high level to a double a level of ball and people don't don't realize that and um, and a lot of these players are just as good if not better than a lot of affiliated teams at the high a level and um, it took me a long time to understand that you know and I've played now with yeah. guys that played in the major leagues and yes. guys, guys that have played triple a ball and they and they come to these leagues and they're not always the better players sometimes they are average players you know and and, and so and so um just it was really hard at first but now understanding that as long as I'm, i keep getting better um then they, 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 they you really always give yourself a shot to eventually play at the major league level or or get signed or make, make a good good career out of it and just have a lot of fun with it and you're you're absolutely right about that because there's you know got even guys on this team like Wilmer Fond who pitched in the big leagues he's trying to get back up and, and that, you know I, I'll tell you right now uh, Derek even when I was you know before I came here and I didn't really know anything about independent leagues now I've kind of uh, embraced it and I've kind of looked at you know these guys have played as high as AAA they come down here even guys that have played independent ball you know for most of their life are guys that are playing at the AAA level you know look at yourself you're hitting 375 but I mean it. I guess you've kind of embraced the leagues. It's, it feels like I, I always ask guys that I, that have came on my show, what's the difference between all the leagues that you've played in? Is there are they similar or is there any difference? Well, the uh, Can Am League and I played in, in the Atlantic League last year, and and the Atlantic League is is pretty much they they, they say a major league ready, ready league. Okay. And um and, and what I would say is that is that I think the Frontier League and I think the the, the, the other leagues are a little bit younger, you know. So um, this league here um, it is actually a very good league. You know, I've played, I played against a lot of a lot of ex-major league guys here and things like that. And guys, actually, I played against Chris Calabello. Yes. And, uh, and I think, uh, what's his first name? Um, Mark, Mark Min- Minikazi and, um, yeah. and uh, a couple other players who, who have been in this league and, and who are, are now in the major leagues, and I played against them. And Steve Delabar as well, right? Um, most likely, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've just played, I played against a, a lot of guys. And, um, and so with all that said, it's, it's, it's a very, very little difference, okay? I, I was in the Atlantic League last year, and I was facing a lot of guys who, who, were, who were major league guys. And nine players from that league left that league last year and made it to, to the major leagues. Fifty-five players left that league last year and made it to affiliated ball. And so playing against those guys um, and knowing that, that they played in the major leagues or went back to the major leagues, it's kind of crazy because they weren't always the best players. Yeah. You know, and, um, and with that said, is, uh, is it's just a very fine line. It's a very small difference from, from the Can-Am League to, to the Atlantic League and it, even to, to the major leagues. It's, it's not what everybody thinks it is. It's just a very small, small line. And um, it's just the consistency across the board. When you're at the major league level, guys are a little more consistent, a little more disciplined, a little more focused. And um, it's just a, it's just a small it's just a small difference. It truly is. And Derek, uh, you know, some qu- uh, question that I always ask everyone that comes onto my show is, you know, uh, growing up playing baseball, who was your idol? Who was the guy that you always looked up to that played in the major leagues? 
Um, I think I had a couple. When I was a little boy, I liked King Griffey Jr. Okay. Um, I love I love watching him. And then uh, you know, obviously I like Barry Bonds. And then later on, I think my 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 biggest hero really became David Eckstein. Wow. Um, and I just love. I mean, he's he's a guy. You know, he he's kind of like he's kind of like a Jose Altuve type guy now. And yes. And he just plays his heart out, man. Has has an awesome attitude and and yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, you're, I believe you're, you're from the California, is close to the San Diego area. Were you a Padres fan back in the day? I was more of an Angel fan. Okay. I'm more of an Angel fan, but 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 I love I love Tony Gwynn. I I, I look him up. I still listen to all his stuff and yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tony Gwynn was one of the better guys, and I know. Um, so now that you know the Japanese, you had a, you had a chance to play Cuba, and now you're playing the Japanese All Star. What's that been like? You know, having the international teams come. Is there anything different than just playing regular uh, teams? You know, the, the minors or the Aglas and, and whatnot. Yeah, it, uh, it it's it's a different style of baseball, you know, and and the, and these and these Japanese players, you know, their uh, pitching and defense is. is well, the the league that they play in is actually like a AAA level back back okay. in their country, and uh, if guys who move up from that league are, are, are known to go up to to the major leagues or to a high level like AA, AAA, and and uh, they've impressed me tremendously, especially their uh, pitching, and um, you know they they have played excellent, you know. Um, the uh, Cu- Cuban team, I think they were they were missing some uh, players because that was a World Baseball Classic team, and so they were missing like Jose Abreu and uh, yeah. you know Yasiel Puig and uh, a couple other players that. Uh, but they, Marietta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they but but they were definitely a good team and, and played hard, man. They they uh, they have played real hard and uh, and they and they weren't and they weren't easy to beat, you know. So. And finally, uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you just, you know, from watching the Japanese All-Stars and, and such, uh, you know, they're known for their splitters, their breaking stuff and the pitches that they have. But from what you've seen, I mean, what does it look kind of out of his hands? Is it really hard to kind of get a, the bat on the ball there? <laughs> they, they're they extremely crafty, extremely smart. Um, you know, the, the first game that, that, that we played, I literally – didn't see one good pitch the whole game wow and and it was all around the zone and they were very very smart and um the, actually i take it back the only pitch that i seen was a slider and that was actually kind of still still tough to hit and uh and uh how gave me the bunt sign so i had a bunch of tough slider and uh, yeah, yeah that's about the only good pitch i seen the whole whole night and uh unfortunately okay. i didn't get the bunt down so they they are definitely good, um, but but they're all hittable. You know, they're 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 there's nobody who's not hittable. Except they go no one running. They're playing Kershaw. <laughs> playing Kershaw. Well, there you go. All right, uh, Derek, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Man. Hey, this is Jason Coker from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Ottawa Champions Baseball on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game. Before, we were talking with Derek Piles of the Ottawa Champions. Now we're talking Ottawa Champions with Michael Nellis and Corey Mess. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, Dante. After another couple wild games against a uh, international 
opponent. Yeah, we've called uh, how many innings of baseball in two days? 24, I think. Is that uh, accurate? Yeah, 23. 23, sorry. Uh, I guess broadcasts, uh, broadcasters aren't necessarily the best math um, people. Well, you guys have had you guys have had like four but hour games. No, well that's that's it. Eight hours of baseball and twenty three innings in two days. So it's been uh, it's it's been a fun couple days. Some extra inning games against the Shikoku Island All Stars. Well, I've had the series off, Mike, and I've been watching from the stands. I've been watching the games, and I can see your you guys' heads in the window, and you guys are looking a little tired up there. We're we're slouched over in the booth. Right? <laughs> we're, t- uh, we're we're we're, uh, we're thinking of a lot of different things to say in the booth. We've got a lot of different topics over the last couple of days. Yeah, you can uh, you can tell um, uh, that the game's getting late when when we turn up the uh, the microphones on the stadium noise, and it becomes a lot more about the atmosphere and the extra innings in the stadium rather than uh, than us talking. But we have discussed a few interesting things uh, during a mound visit. We discussed the trades in the NHL yesterday. You uh, did we uh, after the appearance of the Ottawa Outlaws Ultimate Frisbee League team? We we discussed who the best Ultimate Frisbee players on the Ottawa champions would be well it's it's uh, radio right you guys could talk whatever you want that's it what I mean it, it, ba- baseball fans. baseball commentary is all about the conversation uh, it is uh, it's all about well the we could talk about the hot dogs one dollar hot dog night ladies and gentlemen um but um of course uh dogs. well <laughs> uh the Ottawa champions are in fourth place at this point in a playoff position uh you know over 500 which has been the key to uh to their success so far this season but Mike, I mean, you look at the way that the pitching staff has been been really the the bright spot for this team, and then we'll get to your your thoughts on that, Corey, as we've had a chance well, to watch the majority of the games this the, season. The, the starting pitching has been very good. The bullpen is improving. Um, it's there were some issues at the beginning of the year when the champions were below 500 with the the, the pitching and the bullpen, but uh, that is largely been fixed now. Uh, we saw Nick Cunningham go three innings in relief yeah, two days that was ago. Good. And he was uh, he was lights out. He was fantastic. Helped the champions to a win, and uh, recorded his first win as an Ottawa champion pitcher. Uh, but uh, that w- that was a tough day for the bullpen uh, two days ago. And and I'm not talking about as um, as a core. Uh, it was a tough day for them, like performance wise. But I was talking about just as like wear down on the arms. And uh, they used five pitchers in that game. The Ottawa champions did. Um, Cooper and Perez went for one inning each. They also uh, they also used um, Nick Cunningham as I mentioned before. Heel got the start. He went six innings and he pitched well. He pitched very well. He was a candidate for Player of the Game. Um, and uh, I, I really think looking at that and looking at the ability that the champions had to win that game, a lot of it came down to pitching. And um, the uh, the bullpen was really reliable. Hal Lanier was the first person to say it. Game two came, and after using five pitchers, the champions needed a big outing from Austin Crispin. They got it. Boy, did they ever. Nine innings from Crispin. Uh, Miles Moeller went in after that, uh, after uh, Crispin left the game uh, with a 3-3 tie, and uh, Moeller ended up taking the loss in the game, unfortunately, after throwing uh, two extra innings. But uh, he pitched well as well. He was a, a very, very good player, and, and the one thing that Hallinier said uh, was that it was it came down to missed opportunities for the champions in extra innings and right. in the late stages of the game on the offensive side. The pitching wasn't the problem uh, on uh, Wednesday against Shikoku Island. Yeah, the, the starters have been exemplary. Uh, you look at um, uh, both Austin, Austin Chrisman and Giancarlo Schiel are top three in the league in ERA. 
Uh, Wilmer Font and Daniel Cordero are top three in the league in strikeouts. Leighton Galbraith is in the top five in the league in innings pitched. Um, the, the starters for this team have been exemplary. Uh, and I think Mike's right. The bullpen is coming along. I think the three-inning performance from Nick Cunningham is also very promising for this team. He looked very good on the uh, on the Tuesday night game. And so uh, I, I think the pitching staff for the Ottawa Champions is really coming together. And if this bullpen can can keep things going at this level, I think uh, I think they're going to, to have one of the best full pitching staffs in the league. Tyler Wilson now third in the league in saves. And not to mention that Leighton Galbraith also has a 364 ERA, Wilmer Fawn a 348 ERA. The, the, the pitching staff has been excellent for the Ottawa champions this this season and Billy Horn always says it in our pregame interviews for our pregame show he says we have the best starting pitching staff in the Can-Am League and he is 100% right about that. Yeah, I think starting pitching there's it's not really uh it's it's not really any kind of comparison potentially as a pitching staff as a whole I think Quebec's number 1. Uh, you look at uh, Rockland maybe as number two, and then Ottawa sitting there in third in that in that slot because uh, New Jersey's uh, starting pitching is not the reason why no. they're winning baseball games right now. Uh, that's their offense. So the champions most likely top three in the league in in pitching as a whole, and I'd say number one is starting. Well, I, 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 I know that you had mentioned that you, you've obviously had a chance to, to watch Quebec a little bit as well. And Quebec, by far, is the best team, best, you know, complete team. New Jersey. All around, yes. Yeah, New Jersey has the offense. Rockland, I'm not too sure. I think Ottawa will pass Rockland. I, I'm, I have Ottawa at third place at the end of the season. I really do. The, uh, the, the, the Boulders have a lot of uh, hitters with high averages, but it's the high averages. It's not necessarily the power that you expected short from porch. Rockland at the beginning of the year because of the short porch, right? Uh, you know, d- don't get me wrong. Guys like Marcus Nidefer, they've been hitting very well this year for the Rockland Boulders. Uh, former champion Mike Schwartz, you have to give him a nod <laughs> too because he's been very good uh, in terms of average hitting. But I mean, that's pretty much it. There, there, there isn't much power on the Boulders' offense. It's not a deep offense whatsoever. So that's what their problem's been this year. Well, you also look at the uh, Chrisman. Uh, he's allowed. 12 earned runs, 19 runs, and the the champions' defense has you know gotten a little bit better at this point, guys. But ha- has certainly uh, you know has improved with Daniel Bick coming back, but is still uh, not exactly where uh, Hal Lanier wants him. Of course, Hal Lanier, one of the you know better defend defenders of his time when he played in the majors. Well, and and I, I think he expects a lot of this defense, and I still think this champions' defense is trying to find their everyday lineup, uh, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We'll wait for. Alex Mayetta to get back at and see if He's he excellent. goes in in at first base instead of Keddy Bryan, who's who's also a good defensive first baseman. Um, uh, I think that uh, I, I'm also interested to see um, if Danell Duarte remains at third. Um, uh, both Duarte and Albert Cartwright, veteran players who have a lot of errors this season. Um, uh, Cartwright's a guy who's interesting because you look at his past stats in minor league baseball and never had a season under nine uh, under 960 percent. Uh, as a fielding percentage, his two years with Ottawa, he had uh, he was at 920 last season, uh, and actually a better um, a better fielding rating this year, even though he's uh, he has a few more errors. 
but he's been, I think, a bit of a disappointment at second base. He's been a, a tremendous leadoff hitter, almost hitting 300. He's been a great veteran presence for the team, but his play at second base has been lacking and, and not really what we've seen from him in his career. So you wonder if maybe the champions look to, maybe he, he's played some outfield, he's played at yeah. third base. What do they do with that second base and third base positions? I think shortstop is is pretty set with Daniel Bick, but I still this team think this team needs to find their everyday starting lineup. And I think you're absolutely um, you're absolutely right about that, uh, Corey. And and really, we're not gonna in, in terms of you know finding their everyday starting lineup. And I don't think we're gonna see that until Alex Maeda gets back. And I'm really curious to see what Hallinier is going to do when Alex Maeda gets back because he'll play once, first. Well, he will play first, and that's the thing. After he goes back to first, as he should because he's a very good yeah. defensive first baseman, uh, one of the best in the Can-Am League, I think it's interesting to see where Kenny Bryant goes. And Bryant is not going to go back to center field because Sebastian Boucher is the everyday center field uh, center fielder for the Ottawa champions. Uh, yeah, and you have do Derek you, Piles. Do you put Derek Piles on the bench when he's hitting like this? I don't think you do. I Four think he's five. the DH. Yeah. He's the guy that's got to be in the lineup as the DH right now. And um, so I think it really comes down to either Bryant or Mastroberti as the wild cards. Where are they going to be playing after Maeda comes back I, into the lineup? I think you put Mastroberti on the bench, to be honest. Honest. I love the guy. He's been hitting great for them. He's a rookie. I think you have to go. I think that he maybe platoons a little bit, goes back and forth with Cartwright at second base. Mastro Berti now can show that he's fast enough to play the outfield. Uh, you can maybe put piles in the outfield for a game or two to give guys a rest. Um, and this is almost a good thing, guys, now that, that Hal Lanier has That's so right. many options yeah. Yeah. to put guys in different positions who have been playing well. Yeah, you know, Bick is hitting under 200, but he has that defense. He's still trying to find his stride. And, and he's coming back from injury, and he's been hitting very well over the last five games. He's right. been You're getting right. on base a lot. So yes. I, I think we're we're seeing the regular Daniel Bick. Uh, um, we mentioned right after coming back from injury, he had a few errors. But for the last week, he's been absolutely dynamite defensively at, at shortstop. You don't really need, uh, you know, Bick's hitting eight ninth in the lineup you need a guy that gets gonna get on base Bick's been walking a lot you don't mm-hmm. need a guy who's gonna be hitting the doubles and stuff like that a guy hitting eighth or ninth needs to get on base and Bick's done that yeah absolutely and and my me and Mike talked about this a bit beforehand too with Masterberti throwing off showing off his arm yeah. a little bit in right field does he maybe get a bit of a chance at third base uh, uh, we saw him play once at third base. If he has the arm, I think that could be a possibility. The way Donal Duarte is hitting, maybe you put him as the DH. So yeah, I, I think this Champions team, I think you're right, Dante. It's good that Hal Lanier has lineup problems, but a key <laughs> for this team is going to be finding that everyday lineup. And the thing, too, with that, say Derek Piles comes out and he's on the bench. You got Derek Piles and you've got Jason Coker. Jason Coker, with the bases loaded this year in a couple different um, opportunities, I think he's had over 15 uh, at bats with the bases loaded this season, is hitting over 400 with mm-hmm. the bases loaded. He is an exceptional player to pinch hit in clutch situations late in the game coming off the bench. So Coker's a very valuable bench I'll player. Tell you. Derek Piles yeah. hitting so well would be another very dangerous guy to come off the bench for the Ottawa Champions. And even Michael Mastroberti. 
safety, as a pinch runner, as a defender. He's a versatile guy. So if we're looking at these three guys and potentially Donal Duarte um, as the DH and maybe these three, uh, or at least you know one of those three players, um, I, I don't know what the roster uh, situation is for the champions off the top of my head, but if one of them has to drop, then you've got at least two of those three well, on the I bench. Well, think, I think you don't drop. You think you, I think you put them on the DL. And do you drop a do you drop um, potentially put a pitcher on the DL if 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 there's room for that because um, like I, I know it's tough with arms but we know that Coker can throw as well. Well, you're right, and and you know what they still have they have one move left on the DL, and I guess before we wrap things up, Corey, uh, I just wanted to add maybe this team goes to a shorter bullpen. When was the last time we saw Calvin Raber? Um, uh, and so would they be able to make things work? without uh, without that extra relief pitcher, which they've been carrying, and go with a third bench player the way some of these guys have been playing. And, and I think that's exactly what they have to do because with the offense, with the lethal offense, the versatility, and the different things that these guys bring to the game, it's really worth having the three bench players there, especially when Coker can go in uh, in relief uh, on occasion and pitch very, very well. Uh, he's gotten teams to go three up, three down a couple times on the mound. So, I believe it's two or three times Coker's done that, and uh, he's been exceptional this season, a good guy in the clubhouse. I know that the players do really like Jason. But with that being said, we're going to wrap up the July 2nd edition of Around the Diamond. Mike, Corey, thank you so much for coming on. Um, of course, the Ottawa Champions just finished off their series with Shikoku Island and the Cuban national team. They will be back to playing Can-Am League teams regularly um, throughout the rest of the season, and we look forward to maybe seeing them make the playoffs. Um, thank you so much for listening. You can follow myself on Twitter, Diamond underscore Dante. 96 Nellis. Yes. And former inside man for Mr. Corey Mess. Uh, of course, we tweet about the champions. If you want to know anything, Mike Nellis has that for you. You're listening to Around the Diamond. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. We'll see you next time.